0: Welcome to the Request 2021 podcast. In the winter of 2021-22, a team of 10 members of scouting, eight from Kent and two from Scotland will be sailing together on the Bark Europa tall ship from South America to Port Lockroy in Antarctica. The plan is to sail exactly a hundred years after two scouts sailed on Shackleton's original quest expedition. I'm Alan Noak and I'm project leader and I'm the person who came up with the whole crazy idea in the first place. Uh, Each of the participants is to carry out an Antarctic research project. So my personal project is to produce a soundscape record of our journey. That's before, during and after Antarctica. The plan is for this podcast to include interviews, scouting historical links, events, uh, and research project work that we record along the way. So uh, please join us as we venture to Antarctica and back again on the journey of a lifetime. It promises to be a memorable experience. So welcome to episode 24 of the Request 2021 podcast Um, and this is Friday 1st of October 2021 Um, and that means that the podcast is now two years old. Uh, If you've been a listener right from the start then uh, thanks for your ongoing support Uh, or if you've joined us along the way then uh, the complete back catalogue of all the episodes is available on our website uh, that's www.request2021.org.uk um, and of course on iTunes. So please, please take a moment to give us an iTunes review um, and tell your friends if they're interested in scouting and or polar history uh, and projects um, to have a listen. Okay, so episode 24 now. Um we got a message from uh, Tom Brooks, uh, he's commander of HMS Protector, uh, he's also a group scout leader down in Thanet, so he's a Kent scout, uh, and he's currently uh, heading down with HMS Protector to Antarctica. Um, and then we got our request uh, interview with author Brad Borken, uh, that was recorded back in 2020. Um, At the time of the interview, he was promoting his book, uh, When Your Life Depends on It, Extreme Decision-Making Lessons from the Antarctic. Uh, So very relevant book for us. Uh, And he co-authored that with uh, David Herzl. Uh, And most recently, they've collaborated again on a new book, uh, Audacious Goals, Remarkable Results, uh, How an Explorer, an Engineer and a Statesman Shaped Our Modern World. So we've got that to look forward to this episode. It has been the most incredible four weeks for the project. Um, Back on Sunday the 5th of September, seems a long time ago now, but it was only a month ago, um, we held our official plaque unveiling event up at uh, Gilwell Park, uh, the UK Scout headquarters. That was attended by around uh, 50 people. And the larger of our two plaques to Scouts Mar and Mooney was unveiled uh, by Mooney's son. Um, he flew down from Scotland, uh, Alec Mooney. Um, and our primary patron, the Honourable Alexandra Shackleton, uh, also unveiled a brand new interpretation board that we've had put at Gilwell uh, to give people the background story to the plaque and to the project. Uh, We then held a drinks reception in the Swan Centre where I gave a presentation about the whole Request 2021 project. So that now completes half of Objective 4, which is plaques. Um, So uh, the rest of Objective 4 will obviously be achieved once we've taken the mini plaque uh, to be photographed in Antarctica and the medium sized uh, plaque to be installed at Fordale Furs in Scotland uh, in 2022. So that was uh, our Gilwell Park event. Now on Friday the 17th of September, we held our official PR launch of the project on the Thames. Uh, We hired the MV Golden Star, uh, it's a party boat, uh, to host all our scouting dignitaries, uh, Emperor and King Penguin sponsors, patrons and uh, family and friends of the participants. Uh, The Golden Star made its way down to Greenwich uh, where we joined uh, a fantastic scouting flotilla of small boats, really grateful to them for taking part, Uh, and uh, the Lady Daphne Thames Barge. Now the Thames Barge is the one that Loads of scouting volunteers have been doing over 1,500 volunteer hours of maintenance on over the last few years. So it was highly appropriate um, uh, that it's uh, a 100-year-old barge um, and we use that. Now, the participants, along with the, um, along with the Honourable Alexandra Shackleton, uh, Jan Hoyetsky, that's John Quiller Rowett's grandson, Uh, and Wayne White, uh, South Pole Manager for Three Polar Winters. Uh, So the 13 of us um, transferred over uh, from the Golden Star to the Lady Daphne at Greenwich. and We had the incredible privilege of passing under the open arms of Tower Bridge at around 1pm, just as the quest did 100 years ago. Um, so the, the ten of us uh, stood to salute as we went under the bridge uh, and it really was a, a very special moment for the project. Uh, each of the participants on the day were gifted um, a book of Robert Burns poetry uh, by Jim Henderson. Uh, he's the lifetime president of the Burns Society of London, um, just as Maran Mooney received one back in 1921. So lots of uh, surprises on the day, and uh, it really was an incredible special day to remember. And that has fulfilled now Project Objective 6, which is the Thames, uh, I think with style. But that wasn't all this month. Uh, On Saturday the 18th, the very next day, and Sunday the 19th, uh, we held our Shackleton Scouts' Own um, at Gravesend. Uh, where the quest went next and then on to Sheerness on the Sunday on the centenary of the nights that the quest would have been uh, at both locations. The Scout Zone uh, was first held uh, at our 5th of September event at Gilwell. It was held again at uh, St Catherine Docks on Friday the 27th of September and um, it then, uh, the Scouts Home, made its way round the coast to Plymouth and we held it there again too on the Mayflower steps uh, by the harbour during the same day that uh, myself and Sam Payne attended the Devon and Cornwall Polar Society Quest 100 Centenary event. Uh, Sam helped by manning the static display and merchandise shop on the day. Thank you, Sam. Um, And I once again delivered a presentation uh, about Shackleton Scouts and the Request 2021 project. So this this means we've now also delivered Project Objective 7, uh, which is Plymouth as well. So it's just just really been a very busy um, uh, month. So what I'm doing is I'm preparing some special bonus episodes of the podcast to cover each of these special September events. And, and give each event the attention it deserves. So watch out for those as they become available. Um, I've got hours and hours and hours of sound files to process, to edit and archive. Um, so I'll be working through those to get those special bonus episodes done. So uh, like I say, September, it's been an amazing month. But to top it all, um, we have just now reached and exceeded... Our minimum project funding target of £110,000. That's just incredible. Um, It really has been hard work doing that fundraising during the COVID lockdowns, um, but we've kept at it and uh, I'm so pleased to say that we've now exceeded uh, that target. So we're good to go. But of course we're not going to stop there uh, any additional funds that we raise now from any merchandise sales uh, will allow us to produce and develop even more educational resources about Antarctica for young people um, as well as contributing to our 10th project objectives legacy fund uh, to help other scouts in the future carrying out polar research um, So I just want to say a massive thanks to everyone who's helped us get to the starting line. Uh, Your support has been absolutely tremendous uh, during what's been an extremely difficult time for any project to get funded. Okay, so uh, that's it for me for now. Uh, Here is a message from uh, Commander Tom Books um, on HMS Protector.
1: Hello Request, this is Commander Tom Books, Group Scout Leader in Thanet, calling in from HMS Protector. I've been keeping track of how your expedition is going because I hope that we will get the chance to meet up in Antarctica sometime early next year. You have got a truly amazing adventure to look forward to and some really great projects while you're away. And Protector has a lot of work to do in the Antarctic Peninsula too, though the first part of our journey south is a lot slower than yours will be. We left the UK at the start of August, and we're currently in St Helena, in the middle of the Atlantic, a little way south of the equator. And we've got a few months of passage and survey to go yet, but it looks like we're going to be around the Antarctic Peninsula when you are there, and I'm really looking forward to having a chance to meet up with some other Kent Scouts in one of the remotest, most pristine places on the planet. For now, I wish you all the best with your final events and planning, and, importantly, fair winds and following seas on your voyage south. I've been to the Antarctic before, and believe me, the Scout motto could not be more appropriate. Be prepared. You will truly have the experience of a lifetime. So we're
0: really hoping that we will actually be able to link up with Tom uh, and HMS Protector uh, when we're down in Antarctic waters. So next up, we have our interview with author Brad Borken. Here goes. Just t- tell me how you became interested in, in polar stuff. Well, I've, all, I've
2: always had interest from about the age of eight because my mother worked at the local public library. I had to go to the library on the days that she worked there after school and just wander around and keep myself entertained. Okay. And I was totally bored, as any eight-year-old boy would be. We wanted to go out and just play basketball and be with their friends. Mm -hmm. And I happened upon a book about Scott and Shackleton, Mm -hmm. and that really hooked me. I just started reading about the explorers and their exploits and their just on the ice and it just was i just found it so amazing i wanted to read more and more about it and my days in the library then were much more entertaining as i was looking through various books about antarctica and the polar regions
0: so really really from quite a young age so a, yeah from yeah young age but then i didn't really do much with it until mm-hmm. later till i until i was grew up in america until i moved to england and i got to know people in the polar communities mm-hmm. cool and uh, where were you born then so, so I was born in New Jersey. Right, okay. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so New Jersey that's just over the water from New York, yeah?
2: Just it's just south of New York.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um and, and how how long did you live in New Jersey? So all, all, all of my education was done in on the east coast of the US. <laughs> and, and but I did spend one year in London
2: at Imperial College, and I had that, and it just sort of hooked me. I just wanted to be back in the U.K., and, and uh-huh. when I started working, I joined a, a British software company in America. Right. I got moved over with them. And uh-huh. I've been there almost ever, almost entirely, except for two years. Okay. My entire working life has been in the U.K. So that it's been able to balance that interest in decision-making, because mm-hmm. my, my background and my education has been in... Uh, Business decision making, and how organizations make decisions, and how people make decisions. Mm-hmm. The interest in Antarctica grew because I was interested in the decisions explorers made. Right. All sort of sort of, a bad word, but it's snowballing.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's a good word. <laughs>
2: expanding that uh-huh. in in the sense of. My interests at work were dovetailing with my interests with Antarctica. Okay. And that interest in, in how do people make decisions and why do people make decisions.
0: Yeah. yeah. And hence the book. Yeah. And hence the book. Okay. So the book, we I've, I've got a copy uh, that I'm holding here, even though you can't see it on the podcast. Um, so, When Your Life Depends on It. Okay. So tell us more about When Your Life Depends on It. So sure yeah
2: well the, the full title is when your life depends on It: extreme decision-making lessons from the antarctic
0: uh-huh and it's co-written myself and
2: and an antarctic historian david Herzl. uh-huh so we co-wrote this we we decided we were interested in a book well this was my, it was my idea yeah i was seeking a co-author for uh-huh. it. I knew, working full-time i'd never have the time to do this but right desire was to write a book that was different from all the other books that were out there. Yeah. Because most of the big exhibition expedition books where they write about a the Imperial transantarctic Expedition or Amos' um, Expedition or whatever, or they write about the biographies of the explorers
0: mm-hmm. or about some
2: aspect of the expedition, mm-hmm. food or whatever. And I want to write about what I thought was the most exciting part about the expeditions, which was the decision-making. Mm. And the decision making related to the life and death decisions. Mm. But I knew working full time, I couldn't write this myself. I needed a co author who was knew the stories inside out. Okay. The stories roughly, but I'd have to spend my life in a library for years.
0: So has David written other polar books or
2: My co author has. Right. Yep. He's written a series of biographies around Tom Crean, a mm-hmm. trilogy for talking about Tom Crean. Ah. He's written some other books as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Here I had a person who knew Antarctic history, who'd written books, and we had very complementary skill sets. Great. He was focused on decision-making, and he knew the history. Okay. Clashing. We were...
0: And you could bounce ideas off each other, yeah. From where the two worlds met okay the, the amount of time that goes into a book i mean people i, I don't think people realize because so, yeah, it, it's it's not just a case sit down write it done uh, there there's so many reviews and revisions and 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 i know from experience that just the amount of work that goes into it so uh how, how do you keep that discipline up over such a long period to to actually get to the end point <laughs>
2: Well, this, we're always focused on the goal of having this book. Mm-hmm. And we started out, we spent three months working on the table of contents. Wow. In America about like, I think it was Abe Lincoln or something was said, you know, if you're going to, if, if, if you, if you, if he had eight hours to cut down a tree, what would he do? Mm-hmm. He said, I spent my first six hours sharpening my saw.
0: Great. Something like Great. Yeah.
2: We spent the first three months. Of not writing at all, but just working on what's in, what's in and what's not in the book.
0: Good, the content, good.
2: How we structure the book. And there's so many wonderful Antarctic stories from the heroic age. You've got Mawson, you've got Amundsen, Shackleton, you've got Scott. There's six expeditions. Uh, you've got all the history and all this this stuff. And you've got all these decisions. I mean, there are right. the little decisions.
0: Yeah.
2: The great big the decisions of Scott taking five men rather than four, or Shackleton what to do once so the, the ship had been crushed. And you've got the little small decisions.
0: Okay. Of
2: what should Shackleton take with, in in the lifeboats when they were discarding everything? Do they take the Bible? Do they not take the Bible? Do they? Right. Coins do not take coins. Do they take the photographs or not? And I think as we started going through this, we realized, first of all, there was never a book written like this. Mm-hmm. And the more we worked on it, the more we realized we were the guys to do it. And I think Great. that desire that without our complementary skill set, uh-huh. When, uh, when neither of us could have produced the book ourselves. We need needed the other person. Yeah, bounce the ideas off. Uh-huh. Great fun because it takes the stories. Yeah, but makes them more modern and not modern in the terms of, ch- of it tells the truth. Uh, of the stories are true. Yeah, but it sort of spins them in a way that makes it relevant to people who would not necessarily be interested in Antarctic history or interested in history at all. Great, I and mean, it's really trying to bring out the life and
0: the learning points. Yeah,
2: the learning point and the, the learning points, but it's also the the exciting things about all the Heroic Age
0: uh-huh.
2: was the life and death decisions. That they yeah, the, the, those key moments, yeah. yeah. And then uh, what was fun about the book also was to say it's not just a book of the stories, but it's actually a book of the lessons and what can you learn from hmm I mean, actually, when you look at Shackleton and Scott and Watson and Amundsen, um, none of them achieved their primary goal.
0: No, they all no. It's something we've discussed on on the podcast before, that uh, you know there was uh, this this ability to sort of uh, adjust your plans because because what the, the the ultimate goal that you were originally trying to achieve might have changed, and it, or uh, you know the goalposts have moved, and and you've got to adjust to that and and refocus, yeah. Ex-
2: exactly, and and so our goal in this book was to say how do we get these stories into. Regular people, yeah. People who are interested in history, not people who are interested in Antarctica. But mm-hmm. Regular people who are mm-hmm. trying to make better decisions in their own lives, which is sort of everybody. Yeah. Whether you're yeah. Twenty years old, or whether you're sixty years old, it doesn't matter whether you're at a senior level in a company or a lower level, mm-hmm. starting a career, ending a career, whatever. It's all we all make decisions all the time.
0: I think the title's great. the The title the title draws everyone in. You know, oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Because you could have gone for a title of you know, you, I know you've got it in the subtitle, but you if you'd gone for a main title of you know, lessons learned from Antarctic hero, where whereas the title draws you in and then the subtitle gives you the context. Yeah, yeah, that's great.
2: With the, 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 having that goal, I'm sorry, no different than having a goal to do something like what you're doing with the scouts. Yeah. this goal and there's a lot many many steps in the process and that's what we we do it just kept going through <laughs> the steps and writing the chapters and editing them and then we hired professional editors we hired we didn't hire, hire historians we actually went out to michael smith who was yes the, the biographer of, of shackleton yeah and wrote the books about tom crean yeah we went to uh, bob Hedlund from the scott polar research
0: institute mm-hmm. people bob burton uh david wilson who is a nephew of, of edward wilson okay but
2: died yeah. on scott's expedition he wrote the forward yeah we went to many people to make sure that once the text was written mm-hmm. it was historically accurate there's so much richness in all the little stories yeah about antarctica and we, we whether it's uh, about the the, th- the you the know, stories of them going setting out what scott's expedition setting out with a three-man sleeping bag huh thinking that we warmer than a you know, and they they realized very quickly on the first night that no one got any sleep. <laughs> the person turned over, the sleeping bags were rolled, and it woke everybody up. And it, was like, <laughs> and it was warmer, but it was it was useless.
0: Yeah, so All these
2: little funny stories that came out of
0: out of the expedition. Cool, <laughs> wow. And uh, so, what was the public publication date? So we it took us two years to write, mm-hmm. 2015 and published it in 2017 2017 yeah i actually had written the
2: first the, the first draft went through
1: it an editor
2: got it just about ready for publication and i gave it to a few people i knew yeah people i knew very well and a they'll give me a very honest answer and i got back i found that none of, none of them had actually promised to read it and none of them actually had read, ah. gotten very far and i thought it's not good enough yet. Yeah. Went through a whole another year of edits. Yeah. With a whole new editor. Wow. And that's what produced this. And, and it was, the, the goal was to get to be as good as possible. Great. So it's a big process, but it was worth it to delay for a year. And, and I, I reached out to Randall
0: Fines. Uh-huh. I reached to him, and, and he kindly offered to, um, uh, to write an endorsement. Great yeah and that's 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 really good to have his name on the front so yeah cool. yeah so that was quite okay. that was
2: probably the most special mm.
0: Thing. Mm.
2: was that that moment when he said yes I'll do those
0: was- and uh, you, have you have you done the circuit have you done talks and things to go with it or yeah
2: yeah so I do talks um i um.
0: I speak about it at, at on webinars mm-hmm. and before
2: before COVID had conferences, yeah business conferences and whoever will have me basically
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: And, and it's
0: you know, building our, up our future an future audience, future. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And,
2: it's more it's not our motivation is not financial, mm-hmm. just get the stories up. Mm-hmm. And and it's always been this labor of love that
0: yeah. really yeah, yeah.
2: promote the stories, promote to get people to read a, a short book,
0: mm. I mean, the, the core
2: essence of the book is about 175 pages. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully they gravitate to Michael Smith's book. About yeah, Hamilton, yeah. Or the big books about Amundsen, mm-hmm. Scott's Expedition.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, that because it's, you know, it's a bit daunting to read a book
0: that's three or four hundred pages. Yeah. <laughs> whereas reading something that's, you know,
2: 170 pages and get through it in a few hours. Mm-hmm. Good, and we produced an audio book as well.
0: Oh, there is an audio book. All right, okay, yeah, cool. I'll oh, well, oh, we'll put in a link to that as well. So, yeah, that's yeah, good.
2: There's a little story to our audio book. Uh huh. Which is that you that people might enjoy. Which is I thought well if we look at the cover of the book we've got this photograph of actually it's Captain Scott. Yeah. Towers and Green and people pulling the manholeings, and I thought I tried recording the. Uh, the first couple paragraphs with my own microphone. Uh-huh. How hard is it for this audiobook, right? Yeah. And I realized it's actually very very.
0: It's very difficult. difficult. Yeah.
2: And I thought, well, I'm gonna go hire myself a professional voiceover actor.
0: hmm This is what I've done for my children's books. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And so I thought, what would these guys sound like?
0: Uh-huh.
2: Right? I mean, you have few scratchy recordings you can get of shackle.
0: Yeah, yeah. I like,
2: can't tell his voice. Yeah. Well they I have messed up with this you are know, sort of international sounding. They're British. They're Irish. They're Australian. And this deep, gravelly, masculine <coughs> voice. And I listen. I listen. I listen to at least one hundred yeah. voices. Yeah,
0: they do. Yeah. They do these little clips, don't they? These little auditions. Yeah, yeah, exactly. and yeah.
2: Found this guy Dennis Kleiman, He's uh, grew up in South Africa. Educated at British schools, lives in Los Angeles, uh-huh. international voice—exactly the sort of voice I wanted. Yeah, and and he recorded the whole book, and then, uh, and it sounded really great. And then we went through. But he called he called me up. He said, "I want to record the beginning again, and I want to submit it for an award." Wow. So he recorded wow. the opening section of the book. The opening section of the book is about the Korean Lashley
0: Evans story where three men are on
2: the ice and one who's dying of scurvy. Okay. He says to leave them behind on the ice. And so it's this whole st- little story about this this, this story of the three men and one who's dying. And the uh, and Dennis re-records it and we submit it for the Voice Arts Awards and we end up in the finalists. Whoa. This is the equivalent of the Grammys or the Oscars. Whoa. A red carpet event in Hollywood. And there's us and we're competing against... Four other books are finalists, and one of those, Cosmos by Carl Sagan. Wow! And and the other three, one was a book about Trump. One of those there are several books. They're all bestsellers on New York Times bestseller list. And then there's Us.
0: Oh, great! Sold two or
2: three thousand copies. Oh, great! And and I went over to Los Angeles and did this at Warner Brothers Studios, and Sigourney Weaver is the host.
0: Whoa!
2: <laughs> it's like we don't win. I mean,
0: yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. We didn't win. Yeah.
2: So it was the most.
0: Just to just to be up there, you know, rubbing shoulders with them, yeah. That's quite was, something. Was,
2: yeah, and it was, but it's the power of the stories. Okay. It was yeah. So it's power of Dennis's voice. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to do the book for our new book. Great. We're on a new
0: book. Oh, you're working on a new one. Okay. Are you allowed to say in the podcast or is it a secret?
2: <laughs> yeah, no, we can, we can talk yep. about that a little bit. It okay. It's called Audacious Goals, Remarkable Results. Okay. And the subtitle is How an Explorer, an Engineer, and a Statesman Shaped Our Modern World.
0: Ah, so you have got new stories. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so it's it's, it's basically the story of, of these three
0: mm-hmm. people. Mhm. Mhm. Um,
2: and the explorers Amundsen, right? And it's basically just what these people just did remarkable things and and had audacious goals and, and achieved. And it's how they achieved these results.
0: And and who's this? Who's the statesman? Theodore Roosevelt. Right. And the other one was a uh, yes. engineer, Isambard Kingdom Brunel. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. So it's, it's these three that's great. Absolutely remarkable. Yeah. And when you look at them as a group, and that's
2: that book's coming. January, February this year, okay. 2021. Okay, cool. So we're excited about that. And it, but it's, similar, it's a
0: similar style, it's looking at decision making. Yeah. And when you look at what Ameson did, yeah. And then Antarctica, but he
2: also was the first person to sail through the Northwest Passage.
0: Yes. Yes. And the first person to sail to fly over the North Pole. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and it,
2: it, it's just actually. What's fun about the Antarctic stories and the sort of things that you're doing with with the scouts mm-hmm. and is that there's so much richness to the stories and they're and it's it's they're so intertwined to modern life. And yeah. Everything. In fact, yeah. Uh, one of the things we discovered in working on that book, the new book, mm-hmm. is that the first ship to, that was going to go through the Panama Canal was going to be the Fram, Amundsen's. Oh wow! And the, it, it never did. No. Like, uhhuh. The timing didn't work and, and
0: why that didn't happen. But mm. that interconnection between something that's very modern, well, think, I mean, very yeah. modern like the think very modern, like and something a bit older, like a, a wooden masted ship called the Fram. There's a Fram museum, isn't there? You can actually yes. go to yeah, I must I must put yeah. that on my itinerary when we're allowed to travel again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, the author community
1: and so great speaking and and
2: encouraging people to learn more about it
0: yeah and that's why i wanted, wanted yeah. your scouts
2: project yeah i want to say if you can if you can make
0: use of it oh thank you no we definitely are we're going to do something with it we'll have it we'll have some sort of um we are going to have a, an auction um so next year so we can auction off all sorts of uh, bits and bobs so it'd be quite good okay. or or will have it as a prize so thank okay, you The stories are just
2: so they resonate so well with with people of all ages, and especially I think young people.
0: Yeah. Because yeah. Because they're it's easy to get caught up in thinking you're making these monumental decisions. These mm-hmm. these these big when in fact you realize actually when in the scheme of things they're not that. Yeah. Especially when you compare them to the Antarctic
1: explorers. Maybe maybe you, when you think, oh, gee, I'm under some amount of adversity or risk or. Yeah frustration you realize it can't be any worse than what
2: the people had on Elf island or what people had in you know in um uh, scott's expedition yeah and, yeah or or, or lost and falling into the mass <laughs> yeah, like cool various stories from from these various cool uh, escapades i mean, it's, it's set out too early they they were trying to beat scott to the south pole and they set out as was way too cold as <laughs> <laughs> in the movie they
0: yeah really yeah turned back yeah
2: Making perfect decisions. Yeah. But there's a lot we can learn from their not less than
0: perfect decisions. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um and the next question is uh earliest memory. So what what, what would be your earliest memory?
2: Relate, related to Antarctica, related to it,
0: it can be a earliest polar memory, yeah. So I suppose that would be the, the book in the library, wouldn't it? Or <laughs> actually, there's an earlier one. Oh I yeah, go two. on.
2: Snow. Uh huh. Jersey, when I was growing up, we had we used to get quite a bit of snow, and we had this late in the back kitchen, which was an outdoor late. And you could we turn the light. you could flick way, so the late outdoor light would come on. And if it was snowy, you'd see the snow coming down. Okay. My brothers and I would sit there and like want to watch the snow because if you had enough snow. They cancel school
0: the next time. Uh, okay.
2: And we always felt like turning on this the switch. We would call it the snow machine because you like <laughs> put the switch. I think that was my first love, became my first love for
0: snow. Yeah. This. And the cold was this idea that, well, they cancel. School. You get a day off school, yeah. <laughs> turn the light off, turn the light on, and you see the snow coming out. It's frustrating. If you turn the light on, your eyes the snow is stopped. <laughs> it felt like on the, on the days where you get a heavy snowfall. Yeah. It, it was literally, it seemed like you're just looking out at the... great <laughs> and what's so, what sort of age would you have been then yeah
2: yeah
0: yeah yeah great <laughs> okay i think
2: that that was
0: and i haven't told the story very many times uh, okay the, that story relates probably to my earliest memory about wonderful thinking
2: about the snow and it's discovery. going yeah
0: about. it's a nice one to share so um uh, next one is question and this is this is our question that is absolutely specific to this podcast so everyone gets this one which is if you could go back in time and meet Sir Ernest Shackleton what would you want to ask him? Ooh, after that is a good question. Um, I'd like to know how he read the
2: sleeping bag a, a lot then. Now, as, you, as your listeners may know that the when they had a camp out on the ice and once, once the, the ship was crushed and they're in the tents and they only have like a good about 10 of the first sleeping bags and the rest were these sort of woolen uh-huh. sleeping bags and Shackleton was keen on not having the officers get the first sleeping bags, which right. is normally what you would do, the, officer, the, the officers always got the best equipment, the best okay. food, best accommodation on the ship, they would naturally get the best sleeping bags. Okay. So, so... What he was doing was creating a, a, a draw with sticks of wood, ah. and that what he enabled was that the non-officers all got the, the first sleeping bags.
0: Now there still weren't enough you know, first sleeping bags for all the non-officers. Right. But the rule was that he had made was
2: no, there's no, no swapping. Once you got it, you, know, you keep it.
0: Yeah, and, and he did it from from drawing drawing sticks. Drawing sticks okay. Okay. So you guys aren't getting it, or did he somehow work it out with Worsley
2: but nobody else? I wasn't quite sure how that happened. And I've never seen anybody describe it. Yeah. Other than it, just, than it happened.
0: Like, yeah, cool. That that's be, good. That's yeah, you'd, you'd love to chat to him about what, how it went about. Yeah. yeah. You is. Uh, can you tell us something unexpected? Something we might not uh, uh, guess about you? Um, some, something. It, amazing that's happened to you or some someone interesting you've met?
2: Well, okay. well So here, here's, here's why, because this just happened. Uh, last Thursday, I got an email from Monocle magazine. And I don't know if you know Monocle.
0: Uh, it's a European publication. I mean, there's a the UK part of it. Okay. It's created by the same people
2: who made wallpaper. The, 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 the magazine called Wallpaper. Okay. Described it as a cross between The Economist and Vanity Fair, right? And they contacted me and said, We're going to create an issue for 2021. And one for the February 2021 issue is going to be about how do people make it improve their lives in 2021 because you have got such a yep. difficult 2020.
0: Yep. And he said, He found me on the internet,
2: just searched around about decision making, found me on the internet. Wow, and said, you've got some an article by Monday. You <laughs> so know this is Thursday. So, so, I worked all last weekend on this. Oh my God.
0: And, and it's like 800 words and it has to do with decision making. And, and
2: he, we had talked about my background Antarctica and, and everything and the, the, the book. And he's like, that's perfect. That's perfect. Just you know, just write this. And,
0: How great is that? And, and yeah. And it's just, but it's the power of these stories. And, yeah. And, it was just like that, and that was totally unexpected. And the, yeah, and
2: it's um, so the, the article's been accepted and, and it's an article about the decision that Shackleton made in taking the ship down to the Weddell Sea Mm -hmm. and not choosing the first parking space, the first docking space space they saw. Right. And it was after they turned away, he was thinking would get further south.
0: Yeah. They turned away and that's when they got locked in the ice. Yeah. Okay. This concept
2: in the article is about sometimes good enough is just good enough. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. To strive for perfection is actually, uh, to hinder our ability to make decisions. Yeah. And I think coming out of twenty twenty, where we've all had a tough twenty mm-hmm. The easiest thing to do for ourselves is to make decisions that are just good enough. Yeah. Don't strive for yeah. perfection. Just yeah. do. Just get on
0: with it. It's and enough just, do, it. just to be able to do something. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it's a wonderful lesson in it. Yeah. And for me, that unexpectedness of just this call out of the blue for an article. Yeah. Uh-huh. This feeling like this is just. Wow, that's that, that was, was certainly unexpected. <laughs> yeah, <that was> unexpected <laughs> yeah because, cool, yeah. cool. Um, and food. Uh, if if you go on expeditions or you go off traveling, is there a favorite food that you 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 always uh, dream about or love to have with you?
2: Um, that's that is a funny that's a funny story. <laughs> um, I always travel with sandwiches. I get the Sandwiches. sandwiches and, and, and my wife and friends tease me about this. <laughs> going to uh West based in germany so you know flying to germany which is an hour and a half flight
0: to frankfurt uh-huh i will take sandwiches <laughs> even, and excellent even if i'm going on a, on a flight this long yeah, i'll
2: still take sandwiches because uh way back when i listened to a talk do you remember the story about the the, the rugby players who were the plane crashed in the andes
0: oh yeah yeah and i heard this guy talk yes the, the, the guy that was the main
2: leader who was the one who actually walked down Mm-hmm. Uh, and the re- the problem on the plane was they didn't have enough food on the
0: plane but you know, it was a charter flight going from one warm country to another warm country it crashed in the Andes Yeah. there's no food on the plane oh, and god. I ended up having to be and I just was like I'm never <laughs> going to without a sandwich <laughs> it's,
2: it's, uh, it's, uh, so I always
0: so e- even on a short trip a sandwich has got to be. on my yep. trip yep. on the flight to Argentina Yeah fantastic <laughs> that's good and uh, do you have a special item a lucky charm something that you like to have with you when you travel well
2: i think um when i went to antarctica there were several things one of the things mm-hmm. was a thermometer that a friend gave me mm-hmm. that attached my jacket So a little thermometer
0: that I could attach like so for the zipper Yep. for the Little thermometer, and the irony of the thing was, if it, it was so small. Uh huh. It was maybe about an inch long. So you had a little f- mercury-based thermometer. Right. And it was too far away, you couldn't read the markings on it, and if it was too close here, I couldn't read the markings. <laughs> <laughs> it was all it was zipped all the way up to the markings
1: it was up to your chin, and there was no <laughs> little spot where you actually read the thing.
0: But it, yeah. I, I didn't wear that. Yeah. The, the whole trip. And, yeah. And, uh, uh, so that was a special memento. That was, yeah. That was, yeah. 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 Okay. And, um, yeah, cool. It, yeah. <laughs> it's, um, but there's so many wonderful, I think for your scout trip, going mm-hmm. to Antarctica and, and you said you haven't been there yet. It's, yeah. It literally is absolutely spectacular. Hmm. And, and I was saying to you, I mean, that, that that is our final question, which is, what are your thoughts about Antarctica? Why is it such a special place? <laughs> yeah. It's, it
2: every. I was trying to explain this to people when I got back what it is, is we
1: in the UK, you wake up in the morning, you see the sky, and the sky is pretty much the way it's going to be most of the day.
0: Mm-hmm. And you know, if you were standing in front of Big Ben
2: and you're looking at the sky, it'd pretty much be that way for most of the day. You could mm-hmm. like, look at nine o'clock and then look at it at one o'clock, and two yeah. o'clock, and three o'clock. It's maybe brighter because the sun's shining more brightly or it's cloudy. Because
1: yeah.
2: in Antarctica, every single minute almost felt as the sun moved around as the clouds moved every light every sh- shadow was just different and you could take a photograph wow. and the next minute be like i want to take the same photograph again and it'll look different wow and, uh,
0: and just the wildlife and yeah the scenery and the mountains and the snow and okay the, uh, and like i said we didn't have great weather yeah I, I and yet you still had an amazing visit yeah it's, it's still amazing yeah as soon as
2: you see it, you know why Frank Wild wanted to keep coming back,
0: mm-hmm. Shackleton mm-hmm. to come back,
2: why these people, despite all the hardships that they endured,
0: yeah. kept wanting to go back because it's just absolutely spectacular. Wow! It is uh, literally the most exciting place on earth. Cool. And, yeah. Uh, the, um,
2: there is just so much, uh, and and you're alone. You're very much mm-hmm. alone. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we traveled three thousand. 750 nautical miles and never saw another ship. Yeah. And yeah. never saw, really never saw any evidence of human habitation. Mm.
0: And,
2: mm. and remarkably, we didn't see pollution. Mm-hmm. Even though there was, they did yeah. tell
0: us, yeah, mean, yeah. a lot of the plastic stuff is, is in the ocean, but here it is below the, the surface. Right. Right. Um, and we were going off into zodiacs and we're, wow. going to ship
2: the shores on zo- these zodiac rides. So they were throwing Some of them and trying to survive there were, uh, we did citizen science projects as well. Okay. So that's, so that's
0: really one. Hey, and I'm sure you'll, you What's know, a citizen science project? Is that an American thing or? No, it's, it's no? all the ships do it. So oh, okay.
2: Basically, their scientists are collecting data and there's not enough. And basically, all the, all the cruise ships are going down. There are opportunities for them to collect data. Mm-hmm. So we could sign up for citizen science projects. There were things like, one of the things they want to measure is at what point does the water temperature actually change there's a point Mm -hmm. where Mm -hmm. the water temperature is is cold, and there's a point at which you get into this really antarctic area where the water temperature is literally at freezing right slightly above freezing and and they're trying to measure where that line is yeah so you're off the zodiacs and you're measuring
0: temperatures all right so this is real scientific data that you're you're providing and contributing
2: so we were, I went off on a special trip right? Mm-hmm. we went off on a Zodiac for a morning and we had the lake, one thing was this metal disc that we could, you could put down the water and it, you could see it. And it's like, at what depth could you do, would you stop being able to see it? because how Right, the water? right, okay. And, and again, seeing, measuring that and comparing it in lots of different areas in the Antarctic. Wow. So in cases, they were, there was one place where we had to go, one specific location where they want to take some, some data measurements. Mm-hmm. So we had to go to this one location and it happened that there was an iceberg in that <laughs> <laughs> like, like one. No, the be
0: wow. <laughs> they couldn't actually physically get there. <laughs> so uh, but yeah so, at, so yeah, so it's great
2: fun. To... It's, um, it's way more spectacular than you would ever imagined.
0: I, I, everyone says that. Yeah. Crap
2: weather. <laughs> Everyone comes back with their photographs, like the one that is on that bookmark. Uh-huh. This is like a you know, blue sky. Barely uh-huh. ever had that. Uh, so we had this.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, and then we the kind of from Stromness, and we yeah, there was the seas were were rough, and
0: okay, but, but it was still a spectacular trip. Oh yeah. Well, they yeah, they say um, more
2: in a year, more people attend the Super. Bowl. Like about the stadiums for the Super Bowl will hold more than a hundred thousand people. Uh huh. any given year, only about 50,000 people will visit Antarctica. Yeah, yeah. So half the number of people will see a Super Bowl.
0: Wow. That's yeah. pretty. That puts it in perspective. And only about 7,000 yeah. visit South Georgia a year. Right. So okay. it's very few. Okay. It's, uh, you know, even though every year there's
2: more and more. Yeah. This past year. But yeah.
0: This picture <laughs> behind me. Uh huh.
2: I don't know how well you can see that, but that is oh. from Scott's Antarctic Expedition 1901. Wow phone in the
0: snow. Wow. In
2: front of it. And then they, they took a series of like five photographs. It's not original, obviously. It's
0: like his master's voice picture, almost. Yes, they, yeah. They did, that's why they did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: master's voice. And my dad oh. works for RCA. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's like that had the wow. you know, So it's always been a nice reminder.
0: Okay. So um. it's
2: not, a, it's not original.
0: Oh, that sounds so good.
2: That people may not know because you see whales down there. Mm hmm. Yeah.
0: Mm hmm.
2: Actually, when you take a photograph of the whale, if you can get a photograph of the whale's tail, yeah, you can uh, send it to the site.
0: Ah, okay.
2: And they'll tell you the history of that whale.
0: Wow. Like, where that whale's been. And yeah, they can, they can it identify from it from the tail. Thing. Because the tails are unique, like, f- yeah. okay. like a fingerprint. Yeah. Wow. And
2: so they're they will give you the stories of the, of the
0: whales. That's and good.
2: Where that specific whale, where it's been
0: okay yeah no we're we're linking up with a number of different scientific projects um there's actually another project going down there um around about the same time as us and uh they're going to actually help us with some of the data for some some of our young people's projects and so on, because they they're doing a project on the ice um so they would they will actually be uh spending a lot more time on their actual land um so we've linked up with them i've also linked up with um an organization that puts probes all over the oceans around the world and they want some probes taken down to Antarctica and launched uh, that are gonna actually take measurements and things, so. Yeah, so we're- That's great. I mean, yeah. it's, It is really one of the most spectacular places on Earth. Great. Thank you very much indeed, Brad, that's great. So, thanks for listening. To find out more about the Request 2021 project and how you can support and follow our progress, just visit our website on www.request2021.org.uk. That's www.request2021.org.uk. And uh, please give this podcast a review, share it, and uh, and spread the word to anyone you know who's interested in Antarctica thank you